Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. Hey, hey guys, welcome back. Uh, remember when we used to say what number we were on? We're on episode 63. Good job. <laughs> impressed, impressed. I'm like, we need to be tracking because we're going to get to 100 before we know it. I know. Because I know we were always like, let's get to 50. And then yeah. that happened, I feel like, rather quickly. Yeah, because November came and we were yeah. like, whatever, we made it through the year. Yeah, my God, it was, that, was, that was a month. <laughs> Um, so now we're in March and the weather here is beautiful. Oh, the the rest of the world is suffering. Yeah, goodness. I was like watching, um, someone's like Insta story and they opened the door outside (laughs) and I was like, oh my gosh. Like they had to like carve out, like it looked like four to five inches of snow and they had to carve out like, or feet, I'm sorry. They had to carve inches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. That's that's a Florida blizzard. Like (laughs) four to five inches of snow fell in Florida. The whole state was shut down. But yeah, they had to like carve out an area for their like dogs to go to the bathroom because their dogs were just like, I don't know what to do anymore. What do you want me to do? I'm just going to pee all over the house. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that there's still, because we're going to be in New York on Friday or I'm sorry, on Thursday for the day. And so I'm hoping that there's still like a decent amount of snow there so I can enjoy that. But I'm hoping like it's already on the ground. There's no wind, anything like that's, that's going to deal with like my flight, you know, issues. I'm like, that's listen, true. Just have snow I was going to say, I didn't even think about that. Like yeah. how the blizzard would affect your flight. But we don't flight. leave on, we like we fly up. Like it'll Thursday. be done by yeah, the time Yeah, it'll be leave. done by the time we get up there. And then we leave the following day on Friday in the morning. So I'm like, I'm just happy to see like the snow on the ground. And then the weather, you know, across the pond is like, the type of weather I like, like 50s, right. but like there's not like a ton of anything. There's like not, it's not windy. Mess. It's not like yeah. sad. It's just nice. Yeah, it's like you can wear like really comfy, like you can be real cute. Cape on the sweaters. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just the librarian gear, cape on yes. sweaters. Yes. and I'm ready for it. My super, sweater vest. Like, huge boots that are just like giant and well, super comfy. Oh, I'm ready for it. Um, so, how was your week? It, it's a week. It's, it's a still week. going every still day. Going. I've been working super late. You look late. so nice today, by the way. I went outside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went outside, so I had to put on clothes that I don't normally do wear you, on the inside. Do you have any clothes that are not on brand, like in your brand colors? I, I feel like them. all of them on my clothes right now are, are black <laughs> and white. And I only have these pants because they're yeah. like mustard yellow from forever ago when I thought yeah. that I Like, would... I've only seen you in black, white, and yellow, I think, maybe <laughs> ever. Now that I'm thinking about it. own colors. Like, oh, man. Also, awesome, this is a terrible story. We were supposed to wear red in solidarity, and I had oh, no, no red. <laughs> I have one red shirt, and I had wore it, like, that much. John has two, and he was like, can I wear my plaid like lumberjack looking shirt and i'm like i don't think that counts. i don't think yeah so he wore the shirt that he cosplayed bucky during halloween for because it was um, kind of like reddish 
I do remember his red buffalo plaid shirt that he wore to my daughter's birthday. That's exactly. the only reason why I know exactly what shirt you're talking exactly. about. And I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't think that that fully. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't look like he got the medal. He shows up in that. <laughs> oh man, so I'm sorry, ladies, about not wearing red. But no, I mean, we're just like super busy. Like, I'm seriously going to bed at like one, two every night, getting stuff done and pushing sites out and clients and like right before we started i got a text from a friend about a site and i'm just like sure i have time what are you talking about like you were like i have time even though i don't <laughs> <laughs> it's like i have time i don't but i do i'll figure it out but no we're just getting ready to like you have intern start because spring break in osceola county for people who don't know this week and we're getting end of week high school students <laughs> to come and get them started so they can come help us and save us from Interns are so awesome. Drowning. So I hired my first intern earlier this month, and it's been like a dream come true. I don't understand what took me so long to do it. Because it sounds so, so like a lot. Well, and I say this because I had an intern. Yeah. And shout out to Lacey Jordan. I'm going to put a link in her show notes because she's so cute and she's doing the most right now. Um, but when she was here for a college program, I was like, I need an intern for my blog. I did not. Uh, but she was like, I want to just, she just wanted to like shadow me or whatever, but it's such an official thing yeah. that it stresses well, you out, but it's not that is, like, serious. So, you know, I like the person who I have interning for me, I have known for a long time, uh, which I think is beneficial because it's very hard for me to like give up control, but it's someone who I've known for 12 years. So yeah. I don't feel as stressed about it. Right. She knows my voice very well. Like we're very, very similar. Her name's Kaylee. She might be listening. Um, but yeah, so she's like, she's killing it. Um, I trained her like two and a half weeks ago. Um, so she's been doing amazing. And I actually have already like two weeks in, I've already been like, you know what? When I get back from Europe, like we're going to sit down and you're going to take on more because you're, you're already like. You yeah. already mastered what I gave you're you, good so you're at ready what you're doing. already for, I feel like it's going to be one of those things where every month I'm going to be adding something different. And it's nice because, because I do so many things, I'm kind of like, well, what do you want to learn? Yeah. So really she can come exactly. to me with anything and I'll be like, sure, let's get into that. So that's been amazing. Um, and I think maybe by the end of, um, like summer, I will probably take on a second intern. So I'm really excited about that. And then currently with my life, I'm just like trying to pack all my clothes into you you a suitcase. <laughs> um, I've just been like, we should pack, we should pack. And John's like, yeah, but if we pack like right now, everything's just going to be like wrinkled and all messed because up. Because he actually cares about that, which is yeah. hilarious. Just like, I just want to pack because I'm trying to do everything I can do so I don't have anything left to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just like when it's done. Um, but yeah, so we like, we made sure that everything we own, I like to make sure everything I own is clean and right. organized first. And my... Like how home is completely clean, and then I like no. Pack. There's nothing weird. like coming back from to your house, like clean yeah. house, and your bed's like all exactly. made and nice, and you're just you just so getting it. That's what we did. Like that's what we've been doing the last few days, and he's actually deep cleaning the bathroom right now. So Bless I'm like, him, yes. Um, so when I get back, we're gonna go ahead and finish up packing tomorrow. I'm going to like Target first thing in the morning to make sure that I have all those last minute things that I need. And I have to go to the vitamin shop to get iron. Because I was like, I don't know what their vitamin situation is over there. Like, I don't know which <laughs> brands to trust. So I'm just going to bring my own vitamins. And that's going to be that. Um, and then we get to go to bed super, super, super early so that we can leave here at, like, 4 a.m. Sounds super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> very, very I'm, I'll be up anyway, so. It's funny because, like, when I life. booked them, I was like, eh, it's fine. 
Now I always end up like regretting booking early flights just because yeah. I'm like, but oh. it's so much but cheaper it is, and then the first it's one. So much cheaper. And honestly, I do like like because then you get there and you yeah. get to have like we're gonna have a full day in New York and we're sleeping there exactly. That night. And then like that that morning we wake up and like leave early. So and it's nice because like because we took this flight, we'll actually be. Um, in England on St. Patrick's Day, right. which is great. And we have friends that are going to be there. They're like friends and clients of mine. And so we, we didn't know that they were going to be there at the same time as us. We found out like a few days before they left. And I was like, fantastic. I went to check in on them because they weren't doing what they needed to do social media wise because I trained them. And so I was checking back up on them. I'm like, you're not following everything that I taught you. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, we'll have to get back with you when we get back from Europe. And I'm like, oh, I'll follow you there right. and make sure that you do what you need to do. I will be right yeah, behind so you. So it's going to be great. We're going to like land and immediately just be like time to go out for st patrick's day it sounds exciting i'm excited well i'm really excited about today's episode uh i learned so much oh my goodness our guest is so great and i just feel like it's gonna feel like a coaching session it does one-on-one i felt like it was like personally for me but i realized it could probably apply to a lot of yeah and it's kind of nice to have a male voice on every now and again because we talk to so many ladies i love the ladies obviously my my number one but it was kind of interesting to have a male perspective on some of the things that I know like it's kind of a male dominated feel a little bit so it was kind of yeah, interesting absolutely. from his point of view but yeah so I hope you guys enjoy enjoy it. bye hey guys so we're so excited to be back here this week and we have Dre Baldwin on the phone with us from Dre all day and Dre does 9,000 million things so I can't even like begin to talk about it. I read his, his bio first of all is a full web page yeah <laughs> like, yeah that is so full of so um Dre thank you for coming and if you could explain to our listeners what you do and your background and how you got to doing what you're doing right now absolutely Angelica and Charisma I appreciate you having me here on Heart Plus Hustle Podcast <laughs> what yes what I do is man I do a lot of things I say hi Work on my game is what I do. Somebody asked me in the elevator, but I, I speak, I create content on social media via video. I do blogging, I write books, I do professional speaking, coaching, consulting. I uh, used to play professional basketball nine years through eight different countries internationally. I do a podcast every single day and I'm on all the, all the known social media channels actively. Oh my goodness. Do you, do you sleep at all? <laughs> Yes, I, I actually. You know, it's funny you ask that because I read Ariana Huffington's book on sleep, yes. sleep revolution. Because I hadn't been getting good sleep the whole time I played ball, I would sleep like five, four to six hours a night. And then I would take a nap during the day, mm. and I was finally convinced. My lady convinced me that Dre, you need to get a full eight hours. You can't break it up. Yeah, and I had read that book, and it was good information in the book. But then she showed me this podcast, like this old guy was talking about sleep, all the benefits of sleep on a TED Talk. Not a podcast, a TED Talk. Yeah. And when I saw that TED Talk, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to start getting eight hours. So now I get between seven and eight hours every night. Oh, my goodness. People like you and Gary Vaynerchuk, I always wonder how like, how do people do all these things and get all this sleep? <laughs> like, I always just, like, I think it's so awesome that, that you make sleep priority. Because if you don't make sleep a priority, then you can't do all the things you do. It's just really, like prioritizing your calendar and your schedule and stuff and I just don't know what that is because my body does not like sleep so yeah you don't like sleep I love it though I sleep <laughs> as much as possible like I, I I'll sleep for nine hours if I can I I operate really well on seven hours or more but I can if I'm under seven like it's just I'm not gonna have the same sort of day yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So basketball has played a really important role in your life. How did basketball lead you into self-discipline and entrepreneurship? Because that's really where it all started. Yeah, well, self-discipline kind of is what led me into basketball, I would say, because when I first started playing basketball, I got into it and really started playing every day. It was very late. I was age 14. And if you think of a player who's going to become a professional or even a college player, they're playing at age five. Maybe their dad or mom has them into sports or they have a coach maybe from a young age, single digits. So when I started playing at 14, I was way behind the curve of other players in my neighborhood, the boys and the girls. But I wanted to catch up and get better. And the only way I figured I could catch up is, is I'm looking at everyone at the park. I didn't have a coach. My dad is 5'9". I'm 6'4". My sister doesn't <laughs> play basketball, so I'm like, oh, nobody's going to teach me. So when I'm coming to the park. Everyone else is out there in the evenings, and I'm from Philadelphia. So in the summer times, it's very hot during the day. So no one's outside. Everyone comes out around maybe 6 o'clock. So I thought to myself, if I just come out when everybody else is coming out, I'm never going to catch up to them because we're all improving at the same rate. Right. So I need to come out here when not only when everybody else is out there so I can play against them, but also when no one's out there so I can get better. And I didn't know if this was going to work. Like people had to understand there was no guy on YouTube telling me that this was was going to work. There was yeah. no book that I read that someone said, hey, it worked for me. I had no proof that this was going to work. This is just a, a hunch, just something I wanted to try. So I developed my discipline by just showing up to the court every day, practicing. I didn't even know how to practice, what to practice. I didn't have any guys to go off of. was no, no guru on the Internet who I could email and ask questions. <laughs> I started doing things to just figure it out. And it slowly started to work. I started to get better. And it, it took a while, but I finally became a respectable player and then moved on and moved up. So that's how I got into – that's how the that's where the discipline came from. So the discipline kind of <laughs> – it had to develop itself because that's the only way I would have become anything as a basketball player. And when it came to entrepreneurship, the first thing I actually did as an entrepreneur was around 2010. Because in 2009, just to go back in the story, I had started playing pro basketball in 2005. Mm -hmm. But for that first four to five years, my pro professional career was not this smooth ride. If any of you have ever seen that that meme where people say this is what people think success is and this is what it yes. really looks like. Yes, I love that meme. Mine that goes up and to the right. My career was nothing like that. Mine was, it was like a, like a, uh, what is that machine they put up to your heart when you're in the hospital? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like saw. a, is it a deflip? Yeah, and yeah. it was going Deflory. in circles. That thing, I can't say it, right. but yeah. <laughs> a shock to the system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> It was going like that. It was going all different directions. There were times I didn't even have a job playing professional basketball. And what happened is how I started talking about the topics I talk about now was players would watch my videos at first, of course, and they would start asking me questions. Who taught you? Where do you play at? You know, how often do you practice? Can you make a video showing people how to dunk and all of this stuff? And eventually they would ask me about me because they're learning this stuff from me. They're like, who is this guy? Right. Because I wasn't on TV. Nobody knew my name from anything. They knew me just because of the videos. They didn't even care that I was playing overseas, but when I told them, hey, I played pro ball, I went to this school, you know, have you played in the NBA, and all these questions coming up, and people would ask me, well, Dre, from what you're telling us about your story, you're a professional player, you're trying to keep your career going, but when we're watching these videos, you're in this empty gym in Miami practicing every day. <laughs> Why aren't you, like, you're not on a team right now, so what is it? Like, what is it that's motivating you to keep coming to the gym every day and do all this practice? if you don't even know when your next job is going to be or if you're even going to get another job. So that's where the, the motivational talk came from. That's where the discipline talk came from. 
And also players would ask me about confidence. Like how can you get how can you get your confidence on the court when you're not that good or other players are talking trash to you or you had a bad game last game or it's 300 people in the stands and you're used to practice where there's nobody in the stands. So the mental toughness, the confidence, the discipline, all that conversation came from those questions that players were asking me. And the entrepreneurship part, it started in short in 2010. I've been making all these videos. I had maybe a thousand out there at the time. And a player, players would always ask me. I'm sorry, somebody said something. I was like, that is a lot of videos. <laughs> and players would always ask me, Dre, can you make a workout program for me? Like personally make one for them. And I would always decline. I would always turn them down. I would say, listen, I'm putting these videos out. Just use them and take what you want and just practice it and figure it out the same way that I did. So one player one day in the comments on YouTube, I don't know who he is. He said, Dre, well, since you work out every day, why don't you just take the drills that you do yourself and you know, package them up, write them down somewhere, and then just put it out so that other players can use it and they can practice the same way that you do. And I said, you know what, that's actually a good idea. But the thing is, for me to put together all the workouts that I do, I have to, that's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort and energy. So if I do that, I would have to charge money for those programs. Would you all be willing to pay for this? Mind you, this is in the comments to a YouTube video. <laughs> right. Random stranger. And, yeah, and they were like, Yeah, we'll pay. We'll pay. And I went to put I went and put together a real quick website on this free hosting platform. <laughs> my first my first products were five dollar PDFs with drills with links to videos that I'd done on how to practice basketball. It was called Hoop Handbook. That was in 2010. And to date we have processed over 10,000 orders on that website and that's, that's how amazing. I started. That's amazing. Oh my As god, that's awesome. That's super crazy. I I play basketball for the people who don't know. For <laughs> well, you are tall. Year. Um, I'm 5'11", so I, I finally okay. got to the point where I got yelled at. Um, it was for private school and high school, so it like, literally meant nothing. But girls basketball is so violent <laughs> and so having confidence really does make a difference and you saying that i'm like it's 150 percent true because when i started i didn't know i was really into volleyball and i had been doing volleyball and i was like okay i'm gonna do basketball off season i didn't want to do cheerleading so i was like okay i'm gonna do that and then i had no confidence and when i didn't have confidence i was terrible and i got like elbowed in the eye and all this other weird stuff and came home with injuries but then as the season went on i felt more comfortable being in my role and being you know one of the tallest players in the entire little christian school league because everybody's really tiny um it just really uh you benefit from that as not only in life but i feel like it did teach me how to have confidence in life because i think up until that i was very much like i don't want to talk to people at all i'm not going to introduce myself to new people and now i don't have a problem with that of course through age but really having to play sports in front of people uh rids you of that shyness really quickly <laughs> because it's all about your performance Absolutely. Oh, and so fitness is all about discipline. We love doing things. We love working out. We have problems. <laughs> um, and I really am into having that in my life. And it's really what's helped me have my schedule and everything as an entrepreneur. But what are some ways that entrepreneurs can benefit from creating routines? And I really do think sometimes that first step of creating that regular fitness routine is probably the best way to start for some people. Absolutely. It's crazy you asked me that. I was just talking about that earlier this afternoon is that Anything that any of us is good at, we have a routine for it. Mm -hmm. Anything that we have built over time that if we show it to someone or someone sees it or hears it about us and they're impressed, we have a routine for it. Even the things that we don't want to be good at, <laughs> have routines for it. 
So anyone who has a habit of second-guessing themselves, there's a routine. They do it all the time. They have It's a habit. They do it over and over again. They have so much practice at it. If you question them on it, they have plenty of justifications for it because they're doing it all the time. We build those routines. And the quick first thing I would tell people is if you want to be whatever you want to be good at, understand that a routine is necessary. And the question you asked was how do you build a routine when it comes to fitness? Yes. Or just anything. Um, entrepreneurs in general, how do they build routines that are positive and um, you know good habits? Creating good habits. Routines for good habits. There we go. <laughs> okay. The first thing I would say is you got to get clear on what it is you want. What do you want? Do you want to write an article a week on LinkedIn? Do you want to start your own podcast, you want to post on Instagram every single day, whatever it is you actually want to do, get clear on why you want to do it, what exactly you're going to get out of it. Because if your wants, that goal is not motivating enough to get you out of bed or get you on the computer on the day that you were supposed to take off, if it's not motivating enough to move you to action, then you're not going to do it. You're not going to even be able to build a routine. Now, when it comes to actually building that routine, all you have to do is work backwards. So what is it that I want? So if you want to write a blog post, every week you want to you want to have a finished post so what does a finished post take you need to have an idea so start coming up with ideas have a list of ideas already ready the reason i'm able to make as much content as i make even when it was basketball content is that i had formulas i had routines for how i made my content i wasn't walking into the gym or turning on my computer and then thinking okay now what am i going to talk about i already knew i already had hundreds of ideas already down so i was just picking and choosing which one I wanted to go through. And coming up with ideas is, it may be a challenge for some people, but if you start practicing it, working the idea muscle, as another podcaster, a guy by the name of James Altucher talks about, come working that idea muscle, come up with 10 ideas every single day. Even if they're not good ideas, just come up with ideas and your brain's gonna get better at producing them. Then you'll start producing actual good ones that you can use for your content, your business, your fitness, whatever it is you wanna do. The next thing is, once you realize, you understand what the process is going to be. I need to write, I need 45 minutes to write a blog post. I need two hours to go to the gym. I need 30 minutes to record an episode of my podcast. I need 20 minutes to do a YouTube video. You got to schedule that time in. And that time has to be scheduled in via a calendar, not on the to-do list, because to-do lists are infinite. They can just keep getting longer and longer. Put it on your calendar when you're going to actually do this. And at some point, out of all of this stuff that I'm talking about, it may logically sound, it makes sense. At some point, people have to move themselves to action. Right. At some point, you got to move yourself to action. I could write all this stuff down. If someone told me specifically what they wanted to do, I could write down step by step what to do. But if that person can't move themselves to action, none of this is going to happen. So I would say the number one, the root of all of this is what is it that you want? Why do you want it? And keep asking yourself, why do I want it? Why do I want it? Why do I want it? Until you get to something, some answer that will move you to action even when you don't feel like taking action. Until a person can find that, no amount of hacks, tips, you know, podcast episodes, blog posts, books, coaches, consultants, gurus, TED Talks, none of that's going to make anyone successful until they can move themselves to action. I love that. And I love everything that you say about routines because I recently read uh, the book, The Power of Habit, and I feel like you just kind of like hit all of that on the head that if we – you know, anything that we do consistently or we're good at, we're going to have routine for. And it's definitely with the self-doubt, that is something that I am guilty of. 
because uh, I will talk myself out of a lot of ideas that I have. And like you said, like if you do it routinely, then you're really good at it. And unfortunately, I am. So that's something that I'm trying to work on. You have to move yourself to action. <laughs> exactly. <run it> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you coach a lot of successful people. And I'm curious to know what differences you find with coaching entrepreneurs versus coaching athletes. Mm. Well, the thing with coaching athletes is they tend to be younger. <laughs> so athletes tend to be, first of all, they have a lot of questions, especially when it comes to process, especially these days. So dealing with the younger generation, let's say the up to age 24, they've grown up in this generation of having all this information at their fingertips. Now, me, a month ago, I turned 35. So I came up in the 90s. <laughs> have 90s, all this yes. Yeah, we didn't have all this information. So when I wanted to learn how to play basketball, it was either some, I had to watch TV or <laughs> get some VHS tape or somebody in the neighborhood had to tell me about it. That was it. Those are my only options. And if none of that happened, I had to just go figure it out. This generation, they have a million videos uploaded to YouTube every single day. Who knows how many blog posts? Who knows how many podcasts? Then you got Instagram, you got uh, Snapchat, you got Twitter. There's so much information at their fingertips. What happens is they get overloaded with information. And that slows them down from taking action. Is that all these things that they know they could do, they don't know it, but they know they could look at, they could learn from. Now they have to kind of get, they have to get all that stuff pushed out of the way so that they can actually go and do something. Now that's similar to an entrepreneur, let's say an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur could be up to age 24 as well, but the ones that I tend to work with tend to be over the age of 30, maybe in their late 20s. And the challenge for a lot of them is that they know so much. <laughs> they know so much is the challenge for them. It's kind of like an analogy you think of a golfer. The young, inexperienced golfer actually has less trouble than the old, very experienced golfer because the old golfer knows every single thing that could possibly go wrong with this putt. He's experienced it. He's missed it before. He's choked on the 18th green before. He knows everything that could go wrong, and all that stuff is blocking his mind when he needs to get it clear so he can just sink the putt to win the, win the tournament. But the young golfer doesn't know what could go wrong. The young golfer never had any traumatic experiences. The young golfer doesn't know what it feels like to choke. So the young golfer isn't concerned with any of that stuff. He just lets it fly, as the old golfer should, and the young golfer just letting it fly is kind of able to get to the success faster because there's nothing block <clears throat> excuse me nothing blocking him all his knowledge is not getting in the way and sometimes i tell people actually all the time i tell people that what you know often gets in people's way and the key to wisdom is knowing when to use and also when to ignore your intelligence so something that I, I deal with especially with entrepreneurs have to work through that kind of moving stuff out of the way more than adding stuff on right and it's so like all of I'm just like taking everything you're saying, especially about the key to win wisdom is to know when to ignore your intelligence because I do think we allow ourselves to uh, allow to either a talk us out of something or talk us into something that we don't need to do because we feel like we can do it and we're not focusing on the things that would be best for us. So I really do think I really do appreciate you saying that and hope it resonates with our listeners. So you do a lot of public speaking, a lot of different things. Again, I told everyone your bio is literally a whole webpage. Um, so what has been your favorite speaking experience thus far? My favorite speaking experience thus far, wow. I would have to say, I would have to say the last uh, TED talk I gave, which was at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And the topic was uh, too much confidence is not your problem. 
And the reason why that was my favorite is because up to the very moment before I went on the stage, I did not have that entire speech down cold as I wanted to. I usually have my stuff down cold, I'm ready and everything, but I've been doing a whole lot of other stuff before I even got to Las Vegas. I was notified of the, the event actually about three weeks before it happened. So I was not as prepared as I am used to being, but what happened there was I was in the second group of speakers. So if anyone's ever attended a TED event, they usually have an intermission between right. the speakers, maybe 10 speakers. So they had the first five went, then there was an intermission. And I think at this one, there were two intermissions. There were like 15 speakers. So I was in the second group and there was an intermission for lunch. And I was the second speaker in the second group. So while the intermission is going on, the room is empty. So I get up on the stage, I'm standing in the red circle and I start to go over it. And I started to get into my mental zone. This is the kind of zone that anyone who's played a sport, you understand this is kind of the zone you get into when you're warming up before the game, because you know what's about to happen. Your subconscious mind knows what's about to happen. Your mind knows what's about to happen. And no matter how many times I had practiced that speech, I've been talking to my lady on the phone because she wasn't there. I've been talking to her on the phone, trying to go over it. I kept messing up over and over and over again. But when I stood on that stage about 20 minutes before I went on, I went over it and I just got a rush of adrenaline and I knew I had it. And then I went up there and I delivered it exactly as I wanted to deliver it. So it wasn't even so much what the content was that made it my favorite. It was just that I knew I could summon that that mental energy, that psychic energy, still, even though I wasn't playing sports, which is a challenge for a lot of ex-athletes. That's something that I, I feel like because I was never an athlete, and I'm like, I need to find out where this zone is because <laughs> I'm delivering a speech next month, and I'm like, I need to find the zone. Like, someone needs to point me to the zone. <laughs> I feel like I'm always uh, having that last-minute experience because especially this year, I've done – couple of talks already and every one of them I have not had time to prepare for and I've just been like oh look it's five minutes before going on time to get it <laughs> that's together that's gonna be me because I'm speaking like in early April but I leave in a few days for Europe so I, I don't really know where I'm when I'm gonna write this speech but you know I I feel better now knowing that you know yeah. your best one was the TED talk where you weren't a hundred percent prepared <laughs> Um, yeah. so right that's, right that's yeah, that's good to know. Um, yeah. so you've written seven books, which is amazing. First of all, kudos to you for that. Uh, cause writing one book is extremely challenging. Uh, and you've covered various topics from basketball to confidence. And I want to know what have you learned, uh, through the process of writing those seven books? Well, number one thing I learned is that I come across a lot of people now, now that I've put out books, I come across people who want to write a book or people who have an idea to write a book and a lot of them a lot of their ideas are just that their ideas they die in their minds because they never actually get around to writing them what I've found and the reason that I put out so much content in addition to the books is that if I just put the stuff out that I have in my head if I get it out of me and out onto paper on the paper figuratively speaking is that it's going to put me ahead of a whole lot of people who are just thinking, as you mentioned earlier, thinking their way out of stuff, mm -hmm. out of taking action. But when it comes to the actual book writing process, the most important thing that I've learned is that the easiest way to edit the book is to write it and then do the audio book. Mm -hmm. So I do the audio book version. Like I'll write the whole book and before I even make it offered for sale, even design a cover, anything, I'll record the audio book because when you read the book out loud, you notice any part that doesn't sound right. And you notice your uh, missed punctuations, you notice all the misspellings. 
So when I started doing the audiobook versions first, I think my writing process got a whole lot better. That's incredibly genius. I'm sorry. That's incredibly genius. I've never heard anyone say that before. That's like a genius tip. Yeah, and it's also something that if anyone wants to go and just hire a transcriber from India or the Philippines, you can just speak whatever is on your mind, record it, send it to someone to transcribe, and there's a book right there. Just edit it, chop it up. You got a book. It's a lot easier for people to talk than it is to write. And we have a whole lot more experience in talking than we have in writing. So I think doing that audio version first might help a lot of people if if I, if I indeed they do have an idea, something that they want to put out there. But I meet people all the time who say they want to write a book, but for whatever reason they haven't written it. But it's all this minutia. Uh, I don't know how to design the cover or where do you go or how much does it cost. A whole lot of BS that has nothing to do with actually writing the book but they're allowing that to keep them from taking action. But they, they actually believe that it's in the way when it's really not. Yeah, I definitely, um, my husband's written a book, he's writing a second book. And so I always like, and I've written like a, a, a fiction book for myself personally. And I've always, I've never published, but seeing him go through the publishing process and actually getting physical copies and having people, like they, it is, we, he got approached by so many people, like our neighbor who lived across the street from us, like knocked on our door after he gave him the book and was like, we need to talk about how I'm going to write my book because he has like this incredible story. He was a Latin um, artist who won Grammys and had all this stuff that he wanted to talk to David about writing his book. And I was just like, yo, you wrote a book and this guy thinks you're an expert on books. Like, <laughs> But it is. People do come up to you because they're so interested in the fact that you were able to go through that process of just finishing, like writing and then finishing and then putting your work out there and even if it's just instructional, it doesn't matter what type of writing you do, it's still a part of you is being vulnerable by putting your work out there for anybody to have access to because I mean you, you might your book might be in a library you don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> like somewhere at some school or something you may be influencing somebody you'll never meet so I think it's really cool that you uh talked about those experiences with us and also that pro tip about recording that audiobook after you yeah write. I like, feel that's like that's thrill. beneficial for a lot of people <laughs> So we are, like, yeah. hiring our first baby interns this week, and I'm super excited about it. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about mentorship and um, have you found yourself as a mentor to someone specifically, or like, many people, I'm sure. And what about that process is so important right now um, in our 2017 political climate for, for, for young men of color, for all people of color who are younger, and what have you found through that process that's been good for both ends, just not for them, but for you as well? Well, number one, when it comes just to mentoring in general, I mean, I've been a virtual mentor to millions of people over the years. And one of the most rewarding things is having someone 24 years old send me an email and say, Dre, you know, I've been following you since I was in high school and I thought I was going to be the greatest player in NBA history. But then I didn't even play in college because I didn't get any taller. But now I work in sales. But I looked you up and I see you're still doing your thing or I still follow you and stuff that's not even basketball related. So it was rewarding to know that I've played a small part in the development of people over the years. But when it comes to the current climate where we are, especially for people of color and especially young men, is the number one thing that I said, I remember I made a video the day after the election, is the number one thing that people need to understand of any race, any gender, is that the government, the United States government is not designed to help you. The government is not designed to help people who listen to podcasts. The government is designed to help the people who are unable to help themselves. They don't have smartphones. 
Many of them don't even have a steady place to live. They may not even have a job. So what I tell people, even on my podcast, listen, if you're listening to a podcast, that means you have a smartphone, you got a data connection, you have Wi-Fi. This is a luxury. The government is not designed to help you. The government is designed to help those people. So if you're angry about who's in power in the government, you're you're using that energy in the wrong places, misplaced energy. You need to prioritize taking care of yourself. And the same way that in 2008, when Barack Obama got elected, that was not the beginning of life. And that didn't mean everybody was going to automatically become successful. What the election outcome from 2016 does not mean is the end of life and everyone's going to become unsuccessful. Your success is not based on who's in office in Washington or even in your state, your city, wherever you happen to live. It's based on what you do to take care of yourself. It's the same way that in an airplane, they, the, the flight attendants tell you before the flight takes off. If those oxygen masks drop down, you got to put it on yourself first before you put it on your kid, before you put it on your grandfather, before you become the hero and save everybody in the plane, you got to put it on yourself first. And if you're not taken care of, you can't take care of anyone else. So the number one priority has always been you got to make sure your stuff is in order. When your stuff is in order, then you can focus on helping other people. I think that's such a vital lesson that everyone, it takes people a while to learn, but once you do, a lot of things fall into place because you really can't take care of anyone else until you learn how to take care of yourself. Um, so I want to find out what are you working on next? What's coming up this year for you? And what sort of things can we uh, be looking forward to seeing you do this year? What I'm working on right now is I actually just released the signature manuals, which are basketball training programs. They're about four or 500 pages each, three manuals for basketball players to work on their games. And I'm taking basically all of those digital basketball programs that I mentioned earlier, I'm making them into physical books because I found that, to my surprise, the younger generation actually likes the physical books when I thought they would be all, I thought they would be the digital generation. Right. They just want the thing home. But they were, I was seeing that my books were actually selling more physical than digital. So I said, okay, let me make my programs physical. And people like them better that they can hold them in their hands. So that's what I'm doing now is actually taking 150 plus training programs and making them all into physical books. The next thing that I'm going to put out is actually I'm going to put out a, a kind of a workbook that I haven't even complete. I haven't come up with a title yet. I haven't even completely fleshed it out, but a workbook for the programming, the conditioning of the subconscious mind, which I think is super important for people that if they understood what it was and what it is doing either to or for you on a daily basis, people understood this, they would really, really be rushing to do something about it. But a lot of people have no idea about this, don't even know what it is. They, some people's eyes glaze over even when they hear the phrase. But I'm putting together a workbook for people to really get that and then not only understand it, but take control of it through conditioning their minds on a mental, on a daily basis. So I'm working on that. I'm always working on new books. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a lot of books. So I'm putting together those things. I still publish YouTube videos every day. I see My that. Podcast every day. <laughs> yeah, I still, I still blog. I'm still on I'm Snapchatting, tweeting, Instagramming. I still do all that stuff every single day. So I just remain active and. They just try to deliver value. Every time I share something, I try to give people something that they otherwise couldn't get, otherwise didn't know or didn't have. I think that's so awesome, and I think also you. I mean, you have over a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. They're all benefiting from 
being able to watch you and it's I, I mean I watch so many different people on YouTube just from being inspired by them so I know what that feels like and I'm so glad that I got to talk to somebody that actually is on YouTube yeah <laughs> that actually does do that kind of inspirational but both like you, you do basketball you do so many different things that it's not just limited to one type of thing and I think that's what really makes people are more interested in that multifaceted entrepreneur where they're like, mm -hmm. you're doing work-life balance and you're still, you know, you're not out, you know, you're not sharing every single thing about you, but you're curating your content in a way that's helping people every time you do something. So I think that's so awesome. And still sleeping for eight hours still every night. For that's eight important. whole hour. <laughs> it's a good thing. Great change. Oh my goodness. Well, Dre, thank you so much for having yes thank you time out and coming to talk i feel like us. i had like my own personal coaching card like i really, really feel nice. like i just like <laughs> forgot that we were recording and this all became about me and i'm like writing notes like get my life together listen to everything Dre says i'm like this is gonna actually be an episode that i feel like i'm gonna replay often for myself exactly thank you so much well, for talking to us today oh my goodness yes thank you Right, it was nice. Okay, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. Hey guys, if you like what you've been listening to, go to iTunes, leave us a review, five-star rating, and all that. Five-star only. Yes, please. No four-star, no three-star, <laughs> no one-star. Just all five, the stars. Just five stars. No, we really appreciate it. That's how people get to listen to the podcast um, through iTunes and uh, if there are any other podcast networks that we're not on, let us know. Yes, we love our podcast networks. And we also love our social networks. So make sure that you are connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Heart and Hustle Podcast. We are always on Twitter at Heart Hustle Pod. And use the hashtag BossoHeart anywhere that you can use hashtags on the internet. And we will be sure to connect with you. We want to see what you are up to and how you are making your dreams and dreams.